Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, more than a name. And we're going to take our text from the second chapter of Acts. I'm going to pick and choose a few verses here, the 14th, the 22nd through the 24th, and then the 32nd. But you can read this entire uh, you can read the whole book of Acts, actually. It's fascinating about the building of the church and the, and, the, and the reigning down of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for him to die. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful word. And then we're going to go past all this about David, though I think you should indeed read it. We're going to go down to verse 32 and say, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. And again, I suggest really that you read it all, because it is a good story. It is the day when the Holy Spirit arrives full force in Jerusalem with strong winds and tongues of fire. And these first believers are all gathered together and they begin to speak in other languages understood by thousands of pilgrims who've come to the city. Now, many who hear are amazed. Others think the group is drunk and still others don't understand at all. As you might imagine, on a day such as this, rumors are rampant. So Peter steps forward and preaches his first sermon to explain what's happening. He wants the people to understand that they are witness to an extraordinary spiritual phenomena. In powerful and eloquent language, he explains first the crucifixion and then the resurrection. This Jesus of Nazareth, who was put to death on the cross, is alive. Verse 24, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is no ordinary sermon. Jesus is no ordinary man. Peter's first sermon in the second chapter of Acts is historical. It's, it's world-changing. It marks the beginning of the early church. Peter's words formulate the church's first creeds and doctrines. God has raised this Jesus to life. This sermon thrusts Peter into an elevated position, from impulsive coward to bold witness. But most importantly, what Peter begins to reveal here is the divine identity of Jesus, the anointed Savior who initiates God's rule of righteousness, who is eternal, immortal, the exalted Redeemer. 
Now, many of the people to whom Peter is preaching have heard the name of Jesus, but they don't understand exactly what's happening. Others may have even witnessed the crucifixion and heard about the resurrection, but they still don't know what all of this means and who this Jesus really is. So God chose Peter to stir people to the depths of their souls. He is filled with the Spirit. And the Bible says his words pierced their very hearts. 3,000 people became believers when they heard Peter. And that is what the good news is meant to do, to pierce hearts, to consume people with the Spirit, to fill us with awe. Because you see, Jesus is more than a name. The song says there's something about the name of Jesus. The Bible says no other name will save us. We call on the name. We pray in the name. We act in the name. But do we really understand? Do we take hold of the truth that this is more than a name? Too often we play fast and loose with the name of Jesus. We use it recklessly. We take it for granted. We need to remind ourselves it is more than a name. You know, in the modern Western culture, we choose names to distinguish ourselves and our offspring. There may be a tradition that is carried on, as when we name our son John Jr. or William III. Our African-American culture is distinct for unique names. Tayshawn, Deontay, Roche. Movie stars tend to go to the extremes in naming their children. Kanye West's daughter is named North. And I just read an article, something about Jermaine Jackson's son, who is named Your Majesty. My goodness. People want to mark their children as special. Well, biblical names take that even a step further because they always carry a deeper meaning. Adam in Hebrew is the first man. Eve is derived from Hawa, living one, source of life. The name Jesus is actually common. In Spanish, it is Jesus. In Greek, it is Hiesus, Hiesus. And in Hebrew, it is Yahoshua, Yahoshua, or Joshua. But God chose this common name to mean something more. Remember, an angel told Mary to name the baby Jesus. Yahoshua is literally broken into two words, Yah, from the word Yahweh, Ancient Israelites believed God to be so holy and perfect and sacred to give him a name would somehow diminish him. Yahweh stands for I am who I am. And the second part of the name, Oshua, is derived from a term that means salvation, deliverance from sin and all its consequences. God saves us through Jesus the Christ. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. The message that day at Pentecost and the message of the gospel today is that the age of fulfillment has dawned. Jesus Christ is the answer to Every question in life, all of the problems in the world, God's plan is in perfect motion. Jesus is more than a name. He is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is of God and in God, distinct from God, but a part of God. 
He is one of the three beings in the mystery of the Trinity. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, separate but in full unity. From the very beginning, humankind has wrestled with language and words to adequately express all that Jesus is. In the beginning, John says, was the Word, and the Word was God and with God. All things came into being through him. When we call on the name of Jesus, the Bible says we are calling on the most holy, the most pure, the most loving, the most healing, the most perfect power in all eternity. That's in calling on that name. That's what you're conjuring up. But what does that really mean to us? The sermon on which we're focusing is is the first of more than 30 sermons that Peter and the others preach in the book of Acts. In chapter 3, as he and John are on their way to preach to another group, they come across a lame man outside the temple who is begging for money. Peter says in Acts 3, 6, Silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have we give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And they take him by the hand, and the man gets up, and he walks. And right there in that moment, this man is healed. And, and we actually see one of the miracles, one of the wonders and signs that God did in the name of Jesus. So one of my questions about this is, was that special power in the name of Jesus limited to that time? Do we have any of that power now in the name of Jesus? There are volumes and volumes of books and dissertations and, and, and websites probing this very question. Were the signs and wonders, the healings, the miracles, the special powers given to the apostles for that particular moment in the early church? Now, that kind of makes sense, and and most theologians would argue that. Authenticating the word, spreading the gospel, many, many believe that this was the time for miracles, and that time was just one time, and it's past. I don't know, though. You know, I, I, I know that I often sit at the bedside praying for someone who's critically ill, and, and I pray for him to be healed and he dies. Or I know that I've been a part of a group praying for a miracle and a sign that at least we have not seen. Signs and wonders, however, point to God. And even though maybe I don't see the kind of miracles that I read about in the Bible, uh, maybe uh, my definition is, is, is a very kind of stringent one. I, I know that God is still working. Do I believe that God works in a supernatural way? Absolutely. Do I believe that God can do the impossible? Without a doubt. And do I believe that God answers prayers? Absolutely. Maybe not in the way that I asked. Maybe not in a way that I understand. But I believe. And all of that is based on one thing. Our faith is not about signs and wonders. Our faith is about a relationship with a living God. My story is not as much about a miraculous God as it is about a real God. You know, there's a song, Jesus is real to me. Real, real. Jesus is real to me. When I call on the name of Jesus, I am admitting there's nothing I have on my own. Everything I have, all my best possessions, my best talents, my best possibilities come from above. I am, I am saying that I can pray boldly with great expectation, not because of who I am or what I'm doing, 
but because of the power that is in that name. And I am, I am saying there is grace that saves me every day. This is the name for me. So I see the potential for miracles every day. And I believe anything is possible because there is something about that name. Oh, yes, I believe calling on the name of Jesus is a privilege. It's an honor. And I want to treat it that way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The one God exalted to the highest place, the Alpha and the Omega, the great I Am. And at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Thanks for joining us. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let